When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Attention BetMGM customers. Have a friend who loves sports as much as you do? Here's a chance for both of you to earn a $50 bonus when they sign up through BetMGM's Refer a Friend program. Just sign into your BetMGM account and click on the Refer a Friend program to send your friend a message inviting them to register a new account in the same state you use BetMGM in. Once your friend signs up and makes a deposit, they'll receive a $50 bonus. And once your friend places a bet with their bonus and the wager is settled, you'll receive a $50 bonus as well. Share the excitement and get a $50 bonus every time you refer a friend to BetMGM. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Ohio only. New and existing customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets. Bonus bets expire in 30 days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. When you rely on the internet for everything, you need speed that can handle anything. And now Xfinity delivers Wi-Fi speed faster than a gig. Check out our amazing offers on internet and learn about the latest breakthrough from Xfinity. Wi-Fi speed faster than a gig. That's more than enough speed to power all your devices and then some. Go online, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit a store today to learn more. Restrictions apply. Gig Wi-Fi requires gig speed and compatible X5 gateway. Actual speeds vary and not guaranteed. Winning comes in all shapes and sizes. Every day there's an opportunity for a win, just like scratchers from the Virginia Lottery. Every day grab-and-go, every day giftable, every day fun. It's where anticipation meets instant gratification. And they're satisfying to scratch, no matter the outcome. Like the new Virginia Lottery Scratcher Colossal Cash. It's loaded with $100 to $500 prizes. Now, that's an everyday win. Drive to the nearest Virginia Lottery retail location and pick up a Scratcher today. Odds of winning any prize, 1 in 3.21. All right. We're back because we didn't do enough shows for you in the first half of the week. We're going to cram one more in here on Friday night to talk about the Thursday night football game where the Ravens fell apart and uh, lost to the Bengals 34-23. to Ken McCusick, how are you doing? Life's good, Josh. How about you? I, I'm having a bit of a rough night because I'm pretty sure that the Bengals offensive line got into my condensation line and my air conditioner. Because I came down to my studio to find water all over my studio floor and a clog in my air conditioning line. I'm really sorry to hear so, that, man. 
It's all right. I think I got it squared away. I cleaned up all the water, cleaned out the lines, and so far everything's dry. Uh, the studio is just a little bit of a mess with moving equipment around and stuff tonight. It looks as good as ever, man. The walls look nice. It's a beautiful studio you have there. You get a new angle because my camera wasn't working, so I had to switch to another <laughs> camera. All right. So, but uh, either way, you know what? At least I didn't have to watch another Ravens football game like last night. That was pretty horrible. Cincinnati brings out the worst in this team, seems to bring out the worst in Joe Flacco. And what makes what's even worse than interceptions, which are a six on the one to ten profanity scale, are the injuries. And those are a ten. And to see Mosley go down last night and Stanley show multiple problems. And then what happened to Chuck Clark? Uh, I haven't heard anything about that yet, but right. uh, doesn't appear to be good. Now, nah, Mosley and, went down on like not even a football play. It was like after after the play and he just looked like he was just getting out of the way of the guy on the ground. Yeah, he just hopped over a down player and all of a sudden came down funny. And they've diagnosed it as a bone bruise. Now, here's the thing. There's an MRI in Cincinnati at the stadium. I was told it's one of the only stadiums, if not the only stadium, that has an MRI machine on site. So that's nice. Right. But still, this is a case where I want to wait for this to play out and see when Mosley actually returns to the field because I think the Ravens are highly incented to keep the injury under wraps for as long as possible. Whether that means to keep down the trade value of other players, what a street-free agent might demand from them, uh, keep the other teams in suspense about what they're, you know, getting in week three, for example, for for Denver. Uh, they're they're incented to keep this injury under wraps. So uh, right. we'll see. Um, I I certainly hope he's back this year. Right. Well, the news last night was saying three to six weeks. Yeah, and that's so, the ultimate. I'll see it when I believe it. Uh, yeah. All the way around. Yeah. Right. Believe it when I see it. Time frame. <laughs> right. I have no clue about a bone bruise injury. Because that's not something like normal people get. That's a total like athlete football injury. That's not something I've I've never met anyone on the street or at work who says, "Yeah, I'm just having trouble getting over this bone bruise." Or if they did, it's probably a more normal injury to them, and they're you know they're they get it walking downstairs or whatever, like I probably right. would, and you get. Right, right. So I I I'd, I'd, I'd have to do some more research. I'm not sure what a bone bruise is. Um, but we'll get to C.J. Mosley, and we'll get to what the Ravens have to do because that's thankfully they've got ten days to figure it out because that's a big problem that they're going to have to solve. Yeah, sure um, is. You mentioned that the Bengals and the city, like going to Cincinnati, always hurts the Ravens. It seems like playing in prime time, especially Thursday night, also never does well for the Ravens. Well, Thursday night is a hard time for any team to play on the road. You love to get a Thursday home game. I do an article on the schedule every year, and it's the biggest uh, penalty other than having losing one of your home games to London. The biggest, the biggest penalty you can have is playing a road Thursday game. So it just it sucks. It's it's a really unreasonable scheduling thing. And the Thursday night football is not going away, folks. I mean, we're going to have it. it. It just needs to be a rotational basis for it that's similar to the scheduling as a whole so every team gets an even number of home thursday games and that's got to include the thanksgiving games because they're built-in big advantages for dallas and detroit who get to play at home on those days right and but it's also you're right it doesn't rotate thursday night schedules don't rotate like normal football schedules because they let the tv broadcasts determine those those matchups every right every team plays at least once on thursday per year so they changed that a few years ago because teams didn't want to didn't want to be out of that but then there's other there's some teams get to play twice some teams get 
you know, only a home game and only a home game against a divisional foe like Cincinnati just did here. And that's just a big advantage. When you when you get that, it's just an enormous advantage. It's it's worth maybe a quarter game in the divisional race right there in terms of expected wins. And that's a big deal in the NFL. You don't you don't have a lot of games to, to play through. Right, right. And it yes. And we talked a lot about Hey, the Ravens were in as good of a position as they can going into this. They uh, with resting their starters for half a game last Sunday, but it uh, clearly did not help. Yeah, it, it didn't help as much as it should have. And, and this is a game that the Bengals defense should have gotten very tired during the game. They played over 80 snaps in the first game. They played over 80 again in this one. I think it was 81 by the regular snap count. And, uh, you know, that, that should have tired them out. But uh, but the Ravens uh, saved most of their offense for later in the game. The Bengals' pass rush was extremely effective at getting to Flacco. Uh, the offensive line had an off night. Maureen and I still haven't finished scoring that. We're still working on it right now. But uh, but it appears like Dunlap really had his way with James Hurst. And, and uh, Ronnie Stanley looked like he was playing hurt. He did not have a good game at all. Right, right. So the positive is we got our Thursday game out of the way. We're done with it. Yeah. We can move on. And we got one more game without Jimmy Smith out of the way. So we can just move on. We got two more games still without Smith. Right. We got a bye week, right, or half bye week right now coming up before Denver, if you want to look at the positive spin of having right, a Thursday game. Yep. Yeah. But it's still, it's, uh, uh, you know, they'll be at home against Denver. That's nice. Uh, hopefully there's something positive to, to pull out of this muck because this is a bad loss. Yeah, and that's today we're going to talk about the defense. In a day or two, we'll get down to the offense and do the same sort of thing. And we're going to try. We're got, we got to look at this game as a whole and see if we can pull out a little bit of positive among the mess and ugliness of the game. Um, again, this is week two of us watching uh, Don Martindale wink and his his defense. We always wondered how his defense would be different than Pease. And there was a whole lot of talk about it being more aggressive in week one with Buffalo. We were blitzing a bunch. Um, I think we were trying to be aggressive Thursday night from what I could tell. But the Bengals, we could not get to Andy Dalton. Did we yeah. have just a few pressures, right? No sacks. Yeah, they, they, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take kind of a contrarian viewpoint in this. Because okay, I think good. the Ravens, for what they did didn't do badly in terms of pressure. And let's start with the pass rush. Um, they had 32 of 42 dropbacks. That's over 75%. They only rushed four. So that's for starters, is they were not uh, focusing numbers on rushing Dalton. The eight times they rushed five, only one time the whole game they rushed six, another time they rushed three. So right there, that tells you they're, they're not really focusing on numbers. And that's something that, by the way, the Bengals have typically been able to do successfully against the Ravens is get pressure with four. And if you can do that, you're, you're really doing well. And I wouldn't say the Ravens got extraordinary pressure, but they did deny Dalton ATS on 23 of the 42 dropbacks. And that included some tipped balls at the line of scrimmage. Um, they did get some pressure that, that caused him to alter passes. They just did not convert any of it into sacks. Uh, they only had four quarterback hits in the game too, which is, which is a low total while Flacco has dropped to the ground eight times in this one. Uh, you know, it's it's a it was kind of passive pressure, the kind of thing we might have seen uh, from a Pease defense. Uh, Martindale tried to blitz to start the game. He started off with eight blitzes in the first quarter from off the, off the line of scrimmage, and then that wasn't working. Dalton was getting the ball out quick. And when they complete those quick passes, because 
the, the ideal team you want to blitz against is going to be a team where you can cover their outside receivers effectively in in tighter press coverage off the line of scrimmage and it eliminates the chance for the quarterback to find that hot read get a quick slant off or even a quick uh you know pump fake that you get behind the defender quickly um it, it, it keeps that kind of pass from happening that burns you for really big yardage and the ravens weren't getting to dalton in those in those first eight plays of course they they were uh, scored on at will pretty much in the first half once mosley left the game and the Martindale correctly, I think, decided to shut down some of the aggressiveness of the pass rush and only came for 16 total individual blitzes in the whole game, so only eight more after that first quarter. So it was a long game in terms of total snaps and you know a, a, a reasonable, non-excessive amount of pressure and a meaning amount of blitzes uh, and, and a reasonable amount of pressure that the Ravens could have won with had they had a good game in the secondary. They just did not get any sacks. Right. Um, explain to me, you talked about the secondary, and part of what kind of changed the secondary around right, was we did ran this big nickel defense. And yeah, that's labeled so, as a 2-4-5. Can you break that down for us? Yeah, so so we'll, we'll break down a couple defenses here because we're still looking at Martindale, and he's coming in with new packages that Pease didn't use or didn't use very often. And actually, Pease, two years ago, almost to the day, the first game against Buffalo in 2016 used a little bit of big nickel. Big nickel is a special form of nickel. First of all, nickel defenses have five defensive backs. That's their that's their common thread. And they may, they may have different numbers of people up front, but the standard kind of nickel is a 2-4-5, meaning there's two defensive linemen, four linebackers, of which two are outside, and they, they line up at the line of scrimmage. And then you have five defensive backs. So your, your change from your base defense to go to nickel at all is to put in a a slot cornerback, so Tavon Young in our case, and take out a uh, defensive lineman, which could be Brandon Williams, say, you would take off the defensive line. Okay. And they do that to cover three receivers. Well, for, with teams like, like Cincinnati, they're concerned about the run also, and they want to put in a slightly heavier lineup. And so the big nickel component is that instead of putting in a slot corner who's actually a cornerback, they put in a slot corner who's a safety. And so in our case, Chuck Clark came in to play slot corner, line up opposite that slot receiver and then when they run the ball he's a good run support player as well so that was the that was the theory behind it, so, it sounded, so bring in so a fa bring in a faster player that can faster change player direction. Still, is that the plan yeah who's still a hitter okay. you know, you want, I, more than take Tavon is a smaller kind of an elfin player right. but, but but you know and he's, he's not a, a, a you know a, a weak hitter but uh, but uh, Clark is a much more yes. thorough you know big guy <laughs> gotcha um. All right, that makes sense. So we so we've seen a we've seen a lot of nickel. Then we've seen mm -hmm. nickel, big nickel, jumbo jumbo nickel. Is there right. a little, is there a little nickel? I well, mean, the standard nickel is kind of the quote unquote little nickel. Right. Um, that's the, that's the one where you have you have two defensive linemen still, but yet your your slot cornerback is actually a cornerback. So you you don't you're not you you've made the standard adjustment of a corner comes in for a defensive line. That's the biggest change you can make in terms of weight for a one for one change in the in the game. And then your the jumbo nickel, which you just mentioned earlier, is called is is a lot of it's known by different names. The, the Bears uh, have an intern that told me it's called Penny is what how they put it in their system. But it's the three three five nickel in Madden that probably more people know it by than anything. I personally think since it has five defensive backs, it should be called the something nickel. 
Uh, we had a little bit of talk about it on Twitter this week, whether it was Buffalo nickel might be good. But then, you know, the, the, jumbo nickel is probably the one that is not, you know, specific to anything. And, and the reason it's jumbo is because it has three defensive linemen and only one inside linebacker in it. So you have one extra defensive lineman, one less inside linebacker makes it makes it a larger nickel than okay. other types. And, and why are all these defensive packages named after pocket change? Yes, that's. I don't know what the origin of that is, but that's yeah, interesting. nickel so, dime. Now you're telling me there's a penny. Yeah, the nickel dime quarter and a half dollar. So the the Ravens have played some quarter in their history. That's that's seven defensive backs. The only team that I'm aware of in recent years that's played any half dollar, which is eight defensive backs, was in New England, where they where they would bring in a wide receiver to play defensive back to fill out the package. So, uh, well, pretty, well, you know, every few years the U.S. Treasury releases those gold dollars. So maybe go. we can get a dollar play out here as well. It'd be a ninth defensive back. That would be something. Yeah. Um, all right. I want to get to some individual players and how they did. I want to get to C.J. Mosley. But I wanted to bring up this, what was driving me crazy during the whole game, which was these third down penalties that the Ravens were given. And we've heard this in the past where uh, they say, oh, you, the team's not being controlled well. The team, they're a head case. And we've heard that a lot with Matt Judon. And Judon was one of the first guys to, I think he got the first third down. There was a stop. As Raven fans, we get excited, and then we find out, oh, Judon shoved shoved Dalton. He gets a rough in the passer. Yeah, I think that was actually on. It was. It was on a first down play uh, to begin a drive. Still bad. I mean, because it was it was a quarterback hit, and I think it was an incomplete pass on the play. But then there was a rough in the passer that gave him fifteen. That was a first down. Yeah, it's the first play of the first full drive of quarter two, looking All at right. the charts here. In my notes, I had it written down as a third down or a chance okay. that we were getting the ball back for some reason. There were plenty of others. Don't believe me. No, no. There was the Suggs, hands to the face. That, that which was third was, down. That was a third down. There was, was, there was Tavon Young in a pass interference on third down. I think it was actually Jefferson, but yeah, you were. Right. Oh, no, Tavon. Tavon also. So there were three of them. Yeah, because and- those three guys – basically is who I was blaming the game on because they were irritating me because all three of those drives, they scored touchdowns. Is that I, true? I, I, they might have had a field goal on the last one with Tavis. That's okay. Nah, we, I, I'm we, going with touchdown because drives. they were all scoring drives, and in my memory, they were all touchdowns. Um, and then the other thing was this defense could not shut down A.J. Green in that first half. And we'll no, get they, to the second half. They made changes in the second half, and yeah, we need to they, get to that. They've had trouble with Green a lot. Green got a little bit lucky in this game. I mean, John Brown did too. John Brown is a small, you know, obviously a very small receiver. He's not a a tall guy who goes up on high points of football. The ball has to get to his body, which means he has to be open in space. And that 45-yard play that went directly through the hands of the safeties basically was just a – it was a very weird kind of non-interception that went for a 45-yard gain for the Ravens. I thought the same thing, though, of the 32-yard touchdown pass to A.J. Green. Right over the middle, it went right through the hands of Suggs or past the hands of Suggs. It went right by you know other traffic that could have gotten a hand on the ball. And into Green's hands, he breaks one tackle and he's gone. And uh, you know that, each team had some of that in the yes. game. Yeah, there were definitely plays like on Brown and, and A.J. Green. And on I remember a play with one of the tight ends for the Bengals where I'm like, I have no clue how they caught that ball. Uh-huh. So, yeah. Um, but let's get to it. Let's start with Mosley's injury because that happened way too early into the game. Yeah. So that, that obviously creates all kinds of problems for the Ravens because C.J. Mosley is is their defensive signal caller for, for for starters. 
And just to, historically, we've talked about this on the show occasionally, but you know, people don't listen to our podcast all the time, or they're just picking it up for the first time, whatever. But until last night, I do not believe a single defensive play had been called by anybody except for an inside linebacker for the Ravens since 1996. Right. We talked about that on the Ray Lewis special episode. That since Ray Lewis, he defined that's where that's who's calling the play. That's the on-field coach wearing the green helmet. Yeah, there you go. So, so the last guy to do it, Eric Turner in 1996, was the Ravens' defensive leader and signal caller. Ray Lewis was a two-down linebacker effectively that year. So they they didn't keep it away from they didn't uh, give the job to Ray immediately. He got it the first game in 1997, but in, in the years since. They've kept it at inside linebacker, even when the inside linebacker who's wearing the helmet and thus has to play every single play isn't necessarily anybody particularly great. So uh, Bart Scott got it for a game in 2006. He may have had it for another game earlier that Ray was out. Nick Grison got it. You're not a great player. Josh Vines, uh, Jamil McLean had it for, for quite a while. Quite a number of games. Tommy Polly had it, I believe. Uh, Edgerton Hartwell. Uh, Let's see, who else do we have here? Uh, of course, uh, Mosley got it beginning in 2014. Daryl Smith had it uh, in 2013. So it's been, a, it's been a variety of guys, but it's always been an inside linebacker who's had it. And, and the theory behind that, and Pease answered a question for me once on this, is, you know, would you consider Weddle calling the plays when he first got here? And he said, well, I don't like to do that because the, uh, the, the center fielder, in particular, free safety, may be back covering the back end of a nine route, and then he'll have to come back at a vertical route. And then he'll have to come back and communicate to the defensive huddle what the next play call is. And that's just not optimal, that a right. linebacker is more likely to be in position. And so th that made a lot of sense. And uh, uh, he, uh, they've kept it anyway at that position for all this time. But last night, they really didn't have a, a linebacker who was ready to call the signals. I think we found that out in the first half. Well, well they, they kept it that way for the first half. So, right. I, I believe that's true. So I don't know exactly when Weddle got the helmet, but I believe it's true that for the first half, Peanut had the helmet, and obviously things weren't working well. Right, and Peanut falls in that line of guys who shouldn't be out on the field for every single play. There you go. Yeah, that's absolutely true. He's he's first of all, he's not a not a coverage guy really at all. He's got a very bad coverage in, instinct. So he's really a a run stopping linebacker who throws his body around and tries to tries to get into a gap and plug it. And you know he's a hard worker and all, but but here's the problem: moving to Mike linebacker, he's got to be that much bigger to be able to shed blocks, and it's less about his quickness, more about his understanding about what's going on behind him in pass routes, and more about his ability to shed the larger offensive lineman and get to a gap. So it, it's it's a it's a real problem to have him be the guy you're depending on. That it creates a big black hole. We saw that he he gave up the last touchdown pass in this game to Boyd. Uh, which came on a crossing route where they were isolating him. I mean, they're obviously isolating Boyd on him. Not only did Boyd beat him and and caught the ball, but then um, uh, Peanut blew the tackle, and uh, and Boyd, who should have had about a four-yard gain, scampered in for a 14-yard touchdown instead. Right, right. All right, so then you believe that during halftime is when they switched and gave the helmet to Weddle. I, I believe so. And again, I, I I will go back and check that when we when we're watching the offensive line. I'm going to try and figure it out in the in uh, right. as we go by defensive drives. Okay. Um. And of course, that would be giving it to the. I guess he's the oldest guy. That's the veteran on the field. Would be Weddle. Yeah. Right? But, uh, more of the brains on the field. Yeah, Weddle. First of all, this is a, b a bunch of things. Weddle has called plays before in San Diego, so it's okay. not like this is new to him. It's it, it's it's very it's very normal. 
and of all of the players on the field, I mean, Suggs has tremendous savvy, and and you know Mosley certainly had the savvy, and and you know we have I think maybe either either Jefferson or Weddle have you know the understanding of the defense that they could be the signal caller. Um, it's just that Weddle is kind of the guy who's more of a coach. If you watch Weddle at practice, he does all these things that are different. You saw it a little bit on the sideline that last right. season game where he's writing things on a whiteboard. Uh, he watches practice a lot of times from behind the play when all the other players are standing on the sideline. It's just, it's, it's a little weird, but I mean, he's, he's just got a different perspective on the game and he wants to understand it a different way. It's a good right. thing. We talked on the preseason about how he's the guy that you can see coaching the young guys. Oh yeah. Yeah, very much so. So um, yeah. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, has there been any talk or do you think we'll ever get to the point where they just all have mics in their helmets? You know, I, I haven't ever heard that offered up. I honestly don't know why that should be a no-no. Like, why why would that be a bad thing? Like, it seems like that would eliminate a lot of the issues. There already are supposedly some very funny things that go on that they complain about in basically all NFL stadiums about weird interference on the helmets. Right, right. And visiting teams always think they're getting more of it, of course. Of course, of course. And And the truth is they are getting more of it because they travel with their equipment or whatever, probably. Could be. Um, Could be. But I don't know. I like the idea of the players being able to talk to each other. So when you got Weddle away in the backfield, he can talk to one of the front defensive lines. There you go. I mean, I so mean, it, should be, it should be just like playing a video game, right, where the cleric can talk to the tank? Yeah, sure. <laughs> there you go. I mean, I don't know. I'm just saying, as technology expands, let's find ways to make it improve the game, not uh, let's let's change the game up. Make it better, not worse. They've, they've done a lot of things for the offense. That that kind of thing, like communication by helmet on the play, I think would make it make it very interesting for the defense. I think it'd be better for them than it would See, be. For the I offense. think it would be so much fun for offense because wide receivers will get even more ticked because they're yes. going to be yelling in the quarterback's ear, "I'm open, I'm open, I'm open." And can you imagine how annoying that'll be? The quarterback have five guys. You're saying, right. Here's you're what right. Doing next. <laughs> you know what? Cancel the idea. I'm sorry for quarterbacks. There's no way I would want. Uh, Chad Johnson yelling in my ear the whole time. Yeah, the understanding of the radio silence rules yep. would have to be yeah, pretty yep. good among the players. No, we would need some way that, that when the ball snapped, Mike's cut. Yes. <laughs> so, um, all right, but let's get, let's get to things that matter. And so back to Mosley. Yeah, what do we do now with Mosley? And that's really the question is you, you, you got four options as I see it. And, and you could maybe come up with more than this, but I'll start with these. You can call Albert McClellan. There's already been talk about that, obviously. Yeah, I thought he's that would played, happen by now. Yeah, he's played inside linebacker for the team, but the problem was he's never really played inside linebacker well for the team. He's really a 3-4 uh, uh, edge defender who it, it was good at anchoring against the run that way. But when he moved inside, then he's got to react differently to the run, and he's, he's not as good at getting off blocks that way, and he's definitely not as good in terms of coverage. He'd be exactly the same kind of problem that Awasa would be in terms of being somebody you you would want to isolate your running back against or your uh, crossing speedy receiver. So I don't think he's the best option, but uh, but you know he he's somebody who understands the system. That'd be his value, and I think he'd be pretty good at being able to position other players, which is something he certainly did on special teams. Right now, is McClellan the best option for that, or is he just the guy who's easy for us fans to call out because we know this guy, we're familiar with him, we know he's sitting out there? 
There's certainly some of that, but I mean, the, he has been with the Ravens for a number of years and played linebacker, so he has at least that going on, that he really understands the system and the terminology here. And I don't know who else there is that exactly fits that bill, who would still be around and available. I'd have to kind of pick my brain for a, for a few minutes to think about who else has played inside linebacker in recent years. You know, you know I, 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 I wouldn't really even know who it would be. Right. McClellan now, is, is now McClellan, McClellan was working out with the Eagles just a couple of days ago, so... His his stock value might have just went up a little bit for the Eagles' stock price. Yeah, we'll see. Hopefully, it, it, it'd be nice if they had to pay him something more. That uh, I'd be happy for Albert if that's the case. I don't really think he's the best option for the for the Ravens. So maybe we can talk about some others here. Yeah, I, I think the second choice that they have is to just ride it out with Peanut here, and it's possible that Peanut will pick the game up somehow differently, or that the Ravens' linebackers' coaches are good enough that they can they can get him to do something he's not doing right now. But the big problem I have is he just is not a very instinctive coverage guy. And it, other teams are just going to isolate on him like they did with Boyd last night. And uh, I think they're going to find ways to pick on him. I don't, I don't really like the option. In fact, I think you've got to find a way now not only to not have Peanut be, be having the helmet, but to also not have Peanut move to the Mike linebacker spot because it means he's probably going to play more snaps. The, the, the guy they need to play more snaps – isn't him, and it probably isn't McClellan. It has to be somebody else who who's really a three-down linebacker. Well, if you keep the mic with Weddle, you don't have to worry about that. No, I mean, okay, so the mic will stay with uh, – there's two mics involved. All right, gotcha. The one is the helmet mic. Right. And the other is the mic linebacker position. Oh, all right, yeah, so sorry, I, I missed saying, that. Yeah. You still so think that, he would get have to stay on the field more. Yes, I'm still saying he would He would, would be likely to stay on the field more. Now, if you – if you, – you're correct in the sense that if – Weddle has the um, microphone helmet, the green dot helmet. That does give you more flexibility in terms of your personnel. Right, for bringing on and off. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I think I was the one who actually misunderstood. I think you're right originally then. I don't know. Okay. All right. So one option is Peanut. Even though that didn't seem to work great in the first half, we've got 10 days till the next game. We can work on it. Yeah. Hopefully get him better with the playbook, get him able to communicate with the other players. So op- option number three is to obviously do what every team does, is to look around the league, look at the street free agents available, look at the other rosters to see if there's a viable three-down player. What will sometimes happen is that a inside linebacker will lose his job to a younger player, and there may be a guy like that that's out there and available, that's a veteran, and he's played plenty inside linebacker. The name that keeps coming up among street guys is Navarro Bowman as a guy who's available and, you know, the Ravens could supposedly get, I don't know when he last played. I think he either worked out and maybe played with the, with the Raiders last year, but uh, you know, he's 30 years old now. Probably it's a big risk to try and get him. I I would rather have him as the second inside linebacker. Who's not going to be on the field for as many plays because he'll get replaced in the dime, but he could be okay to, to bring in if you, if you wanted a, additional linebacking snaps to stop the run. That's what I think Navarro Bowman brings you at this point in his career. Gotcha. Um, can we get uh, Khalil Mack? Yeah, Khalil Mack. I mean, we just have to trade the whole franchise. Exa- exactly. Yeah. <laughs> he's, a, right. he's an outside linebacker too, but I'm sure he'd be pretty good at inside linebacker. All right, so get to the fourth option because I like this fourth option. Okay, so the fourth option is, is I think the one that everyone is really calling for is to roll the dice with Kenny Young. And right now, He's playing very fast, instinctive football, and and he's the only guy who really makes sense as a three-down player. 
I think the only thing I'd say about a fast, instinctive player is it's great if it's Ray Lewis and his instincts are always right, and it's it can be not as great with a young player whose instincts are not really ideal. But Kenny Young, the rest of the Raven defenders can make up for a lot of sins and get Kenny Young to a good spot. And we've seen Kenny Young take advantage of some wide open holes like he did for a quarterback hit in this last, or actually quarterback hit or a tackle for loss. I'm not sure which it was, but he had one of each. And he, he took advantage of space and made plays and had seven tackles in total. He was all over the field. He looked good after the catch in terms of taking down people quickly. Uh, to me, he's he's probably the ideal option. And I think it becomes more viable when you take away the responsibility for calling the plays. So Weddle has that, and then Kenny Young is just a football player playing inside linebacker, and you can use him for every down of the game because he has those kind of skills right. to replace Mosley, but he doesn't have to call the plays. Okay. Yeah, and I like that. I was That was my positive takeaway from the game was that we got to see a lot more of Kenny Young, and he seemed to take advantage of that. Yeah. So, all right, um... Let's talk about some more other guys because uh, Peanut wasn't the only guy to have a bad game. There were other guys too. I feel like yes. We, did you want to get into him a little bit more and his coverage struggles or? No, I think we've. I think we've really beat him up. One thing I don't like to do when I write or when we do the show is to harp too long on players who are just not cutting it. It's not. I don't think what people want to hear most of the time. You know, we'll, we'll talk in very matter of fact terms about things, and hopefully, we'll we'll get done All with right. those kind of talk pretty quickly so awasu we've said enough about him he's uh, uh he is what he is and and uh you know hopefully it's good enough for what the ravens need him to do all right then let's get to some positives um kenny young we mentioned briefly that he played well yeah so tackle for loss in this game he had another quarterback hit i seem to be coming back to the same thing every week since preseason we've been talking about kenny young is that he's making a contribution in every phase of the game that you're seeing you know, a run play and a good play as a pass rusher and a good play after a catch is made and sometimes a good player in coverage. It's just he, he is doing an awful lot. He's a very exciting young player and played 58 snaps this last game. It really appears he's going to be thrust into a large role very quickly here. I don't think he'll play fewer snaps as a percentage anytime during the rest of Mosley's injury. Let's put it that way. I think if anything, he'll play more. And he has an opportunity to really put a stamp on the game at a young age. And if he can, if he if he is as good as he appears to be, uh, he could be one of these guys who starts in his first year effectively and and never gives it up. So uh, exciting right. potential talent here, and uh, and we hope he's as good as he appears to be right now. Yeah, and that's the thing I noticed with him is he's the type of player that doesn't stop. Like if he, the play's not near him, he runs towards the play. Yeah, great pursuit. Um, that's, a, that's a very good point. I, I, I keep reminding of one play yesterday where I saw he shot a gap and the player didn't go there. And, and he still, the, the play bounced to the outside and away from him, but he still chased it down. He didn't make the tackle. Pursuit was excellent on that side. But if they hadn't have made the tackle, he'd have crunched the guy. And it's it's a, uh, you know, seeing that, that pursuit, even when it's not successful, is great. Yeah, I love seeing right. it from... From players like that, I I love even more seeing a defensive tackle like Kelly Gregg or, or Haloti Nada pursuing. Yeah, the, you, uh, you like the big guys running. Big guys yeah, running are always fun. Yeah. Um. All right, Marlon Humphrey. He's the guy we've been looking to with Jimmy Smith out. Yeah, I, you know, a lot of people are down on Humphrey after this game. I'm not. He gave up a touchdown to A.J. Green, got outbodied a little bit in the end zone. Uh, Green's a veteran receiver, obviously. And in addition to just having outstanding skills, Green is somewhat crafty in terms of manipulating a corner and he got Humphrey to 
take coverage over the top, and, and he sold a fade to him, and then he came back to the pylon and made his catch. And Humphrey couldn't do anything about it because Green's a big body to get around and and uh, and get your hand in there. So anyway, that one he lost, but Humphrey had a couple of passes defensed in the game, and I thought looked pretty good otherwise. He certainly looked fantastic last week. So uh, it's not the time to be down on Humphrey, even though he gave up a touchdown in this game. Uh, if we continue on to, to another corner, at slot corner, that Tavon Young did have a lousy game, and it, it doesn't happen often, but you know we, we need to acknowledge it when it does and be a little bit balanced. Tavon Young gave up two touchdowns in the game, and uh, for the first time really in his entire career, he looked really beaten badly a couple times. Um, he, he got his rookie year. I remember him getting beat by Odell Beckham on a long touchdown right. that lost the game at uh, at New York. But he actually got tripped up by Weddle on the play. It was Weddle's fault to to, to do that. Yes, Weddle came out and said it was his fault. That's right. Weddle's always good about that. By the way, that's a leader for you. It's always his fault. He always falls on the sword, even when it's not. And uh, and that was a good one. So uh, anyway, he, it was his fault that time. But but Tavon had a great rookie year. Uh, he he played a fantastic week one in terms of, of holding up coverage for a long time from the slot position. So uh, I, I'm, I'm not at all concerned that he's not going to come back and, and have a big year for us. This is just a bad game against a, against a bad receiver and a, and a good quarterback combination with him. Right. Uh, did we have a poor game plan to deal with AJ green in that first half or is you know, he just hard. that type of player? It's hard not to say that has to have something to do with it because you always want to blame it on something that's under your own control. But A.J. Green's a superstar. And, you know, the Raven pass rush did not get home. There were other uh, places on the field where the team was vulnerable. Maybe they had to they had to cover up for other areas and leave some one on one coverage on Green. In any case, there was Dalton had more time to get some passes to him and. Uh, it worked out for the Bengals this time. Uh, it has not always, but Green has been pretty effective against the Ravens over the years. Well, as we know on Twitter, if you run the ball more, you get the win. So the Bengals ran <laughs> the ball more, they got the win. Meanwhile, Joe's out there throwing the ball a bunch of times. <laughs> you know, the more you say this, you, you're trying to do it just to piss me off, I know. Yeah, but I know. but you're, you're also, you know, it's demagoguery. You're teaching all these people the wrong thing on Twitter Cause and, I, cause and on I, a podcast. Because I saw, I saw, I saw another show tweet about it on the on today on Twitter, complaining that that Joe never wins when he throws forty passes, and well. <laughs> I'm just, it, I hope that people know every time I bring this up, I'm making fun of you if you really believe that running the ball means you win. Right. Well, it's it's uh, I, I I'm sure they're not really picking up on the inside joke that much, which is which is uh, okay. It's it's still we'll explain it to as we have to. But, uh, <laughs> By week yeah. six, you will. Yes. I mean, I, I said something and I caught myself saying it the other day is that I hope he doesn't throw an interception in this game because I think that Flacco, you know, when he gets to the trend of interceptions in Cincinnati, you can, you can pick up three very quickly. And, and then I just realized I'm just saying yep. I, I want them to win the game and then he won't throw interceptions. So, yeah, you know, right. It's. Yep. It's a chicken and egg thing. There you go. All right. Uh, let's get to some mailbag because we don't do MVPs because it's a loss, so we'd have to do LVPs, and we're just too nice of a show. We're not going to do that and call players out. There you go. All right, uh, let's see. First question up. Is it just me, or were Pierce and Williams rarely on the field at the same time, even when the D got gashed in the run game? You know, outstanding point, and we talked about that the first week. Um, there were only a handful of snaps, and a couple of them were at the goal line. And I'm just going through. We do not have sponsors, so we have time, is what I always say. 
I'm counting out, outside of the goal line play. But I'm only we, seeing... we do have listeners, though. So the listeners might care if, you, if we're just taking a pause to read. Okay. They had nine snaps in total where they were together after that goal line, initial goal line snap. So there, there were some snaps together this week, but uh, uh, still not as many. It would, mostly there seemed to be the strategy is to get one or the other on the field uh, whenever, they, whenever they're playing at least two down defensive linemen. Gotcha. All right. Uh, let's see. Also, we got here. Do you are they not telling the truth about Mosley? It didn't look like a bone bone bruise type of reaction. I don't know. I don't know what that looks like, but according to Twitter, what do you think? Well, you know, there's a lot of armchair doctoring going on right now, and that's fine. I I don't I don't play the 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 player obviously for for exactly what he did, and I I wouldn't know to know exactly what a knee injury of each specific type looks like from the way somebody lands or reacts to it. But I will say that that the Ravens uh, have every reason to not be telling the truth about this. So I think that they're, you know, they, they can only gain from letting this be information that they might know and nobody else does for longer. So it is the kind of thing where if, you know, if you're playing poker, you have to take that into account here. And, uh, and I think there's a chance that, uh, that it is worse than they're saying. I don't know how much you want to believe Twitter profiles, but I did just notice that the listener who said it doesn't look like a bone bruise says on his Twitter handle that he is a neuroscientist. So maybe he knows something. All right. That, that would be a, a nervous system scientist. Or doctor. Nervous system. Doc- <laughs> so maybe, okay. maybe he knows something. Um, let's see. I want to pull up one more here for you. We're going to – in fact, these are all offensive line questions. Let's get to them in a day or two because it's a lot of questions about the offensive line and yeah. um, big questions about Orlando Brown and why he's not con- contributing to this offensive line yet. So maybe we can this, get to that in uh, two days. This would be the time to have those questions, by the way, because they, they obviously had a very difficult game of get, getting Flacco uh, protection in, in this yes. one. And, and I'm sure we're going to – we're going to get into that. To some oh, yeah. Degree. I want to get into that with you on the offensive line. I also want to get on the offensive show, and I want to get into this Lamar Jackson, getting him on the field each play because, or uh, a few times a game because the announcers were going all into Joe doesn't like this on Thursday Night Football. And I think that there were some times that I could totally see Joe being irritated that it went to Lamar. Right. I, I agree with that. But you know what? Honestly, if, if it was only a matter of Joe being upset by it, but they were getting six yards of play with Lamar in there, I'd say, so what? Yes. Yes. But they got one yard. Yeah. They, they gave it to Lamar yard, and they got one, one yard. yard of play. So, and, yep. All right, Ken. Well, this is coming out on uh, Friday night. So hopefully people are enjoying their uh, rainy weekend with this show. We want them to go check out Russell Street Report. You've got this up and all broken out with the numbers. Yeah, lots more on there, particularly on defensive packages. So if you're a football nerd and you want to look a little bit about what the Ravens are really playing on defense, it's all out there with uh, with some results to go with it. Uh, follow me on Twitter at Film Study Ravens. Uh, let's talk a little bit about yeah, Birdland Sports. Yeah, and you know what? I'm so excited because yesterday I finally got the Twitter handle at Birdland Sports. So give it a follow on Twitter, Birdland Sports. It took me like three, four weeks to track down the guy who had it. It was a dead account that hadn't been used for a couple years, and I finally got him to give it to me. So I was very excited the other day to do that. So give that a follow. 
Um, that's that's very cool, Josh. Did you have to pay the guy for it, or did you have to? No, nice guy. I just had to get a hold of him, and it was really hard to see. The problem is when your Twitter account is not your name. It took me a uh-huh. lot of work to figure out who registered that name. And I don't the, even I don't even want to know what you had to do to figure let, out. Let's just say was. let's just say I eventually got a hold of him. I tried other Twitter accounts. I tried Instagram. I tried Facebook. Never got a response. Finally, I tracked him down on LinkedIn. And I okay. sent a little email and said, I don't want to be creepy, but I think that you're running this Twitter account. Can I please have it? And it was a nice guy. Gave it to me. I didn't have to pay him. I was very excited. So that's, just that's very cool. give at Fairland Sports a follow. It's where you will find this podcast and many other Ravens and Orioles talk. Okay, yeah, and if you will, uh, go out and toss us a uh, subscription to this. Yes, and iTunes, and, uh, should... Google Play, go in there, subscribe, give us reviews. It's amazing. If you put a little review saying, great show, or uh, this is fun, or Josh is an idiot, but Ken's really smart, that does a really good job <laughs> with helping us get other listeners because when they're just browsing iTunes and just search Ravens, they come up, they want to see some uh, what some listeners have to say about the show before they hit subscribe. So definitely go to iTunes, go to Google Play, do all that. And tell your friends the old-fashioned way, too. (laughs) Nice, good, Josh. All right, Ken. We'll talk soon. Take it easy. Introducing the Lowe's List for Innovation. While our aisles are filled with innovative products, we've selected our favorites just for you. Like the exclusive Whirlpool washer with industry-first two-in-one removable agitator. We love this washer because you can customize any load. And with other smart features to streamline your laundry routine, this product is a must-have for families. Shop the full Lowe's list of top picks at Lowe's.com. Lowe's, home to any budget, home to any possibility. U.S. only. Winning comes in all shapes and sizes. Every day there's an opportunity for a win, just like scratchers from the Virginia Lottery. Every day grab-and-go, every day giftable, every day fun. It's where anticipation meets instant gratification, and they're satisfying to scratch no matter the outcome. Like the new Virginia Lottery Scratcher Colossal Cash. It's loaded with $100 to $500 prizes. Now, that's an everyday win. Drive to the nearest Virginia Lottery retail location and pick up a scratcher today. Odds of winning any prize, 1 in 3.21. Here in America, work is in trouble. We've offshored our manufacturing, sent away good jobs, and lost so much ability to make things. American Giant is a company that's pushing back against this tide. They make high-quality clothing, sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more, right here in the USA. Visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com. Promo code STAPLE20. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.
Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.